It's a late night, Friday night. You get back home from being out with your friends around town. You're tired, you feel exhausted, burned, ready for the weekend. So you get ready, brush your teeth, put on your pajamas, and you go to bed. And then at some point in the night, you wake up and it sounds like there's an intruder in your house. And you go to get up and get out of bed, but you can't. And you start to panic. You can't move your arms. You can't move your legs. You can't get out of bed. And you start to tell yourself, relax, this is just a dream. This isn't happening. I'm not awake right now. But you know that that's wrong. And you know that you are awake. And just as you say that, you see your door open and a shadowy figure step into your room from your living room. You start to panic and again you can't do anything. You can't move, you can't get out of bed and just when you think it's too late all of a sudden you can get up. This is sleep paralysis and on today's episode we're gonna talk about the science behind that. Welcome to the science behind that with Atticus Hamilton. Hello, all you scientists. Uh, welcome on back to the Science Behind That podcast. I am your host, Atticus Hamilton, and um, as you heard from the intro, yes, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to be talking about sleep paralysis. You know what it is, where it comes from. You know why we deal with it, and um, hopefully by the end of today's episode. Uh, you'll feel more comfortable about sleep paralysis, you know, if it ends up being something that happens to you. Um, hopefully it doesn't. It only affects around 20% of the population. But before we get too much into that, this episode idea actually came to me um, as per a suggestion from one of you guys. So uh, thank you to the person that uh, suggested this episode. Um And really quickly, you know, if you guys ever have any like episode ideas or topics or what whatnot that, you know, you really think that I should cover, uh, feel free to send me an email at thescienceBT at gmail.com. I'd love to, you know, hear your ideas of of topics and of questions that you've been asking about everyday life uh, and do an episode on that. And uh, who knows, maybe we've already done an episode on that. And uh, that's there for you guys to take a look at. So feel free to do that. Um, And of course, one other thing before we jump into today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to invite all of you to go grab yourselves a nice steaming hot cup of coffee, add a little bit of maple syrup to it, and we're going to jump right in. So what is sleep paralysis, right? Well, sleep paralysis is basically defined by the Merck uh, manual as um, a condition that results in a temporary loss of muscle movement or atonia, um, either immediately after falling asleep and entering REM stage or immediately before uh, waking up. And so that's the, the basic genera- uh, generation. That's a basic definition of sleep paralysis. But... In most situations, sleep paralysis 
tends to be a symptom of an underlying condition. And of course, we're going to talk about that. So I mentioned um, in the intro, basically, that 20% of the population will experience sleep paralysis at some point in their life. Um, I have never experienced it. Um, I have heard, I guess, horror stories from people that have, but I have never actually experienced sleep paralysis. Excuse me, I need to take some a coffee break there. But there are two different broad um, classes or broad um, categorizations of sleep paralysis, right? So you have intermittent sleep paralysis, and usually this is what we see in a lot of people, right? So this is a sleep paralysis that results not from an underlying condition. So usually like sleep deprivation or, um, you know, working, I guess, a late night shift or a graveyard shift and messing with the circadian rhythm. Things like that can cause this intermittent um, sleep paralysis. And usually it's a sporadic thing, right? Usually it's like a sporadic thing and, um, you know, people who experience intermittent sleep paralysis are not generally going to experience it every night. When I worked at Mayo Clinic, uh, I used to work on the 2 to 1230 shift. And, you know, I always thought I was going to experience sleep paralysis from that. I never did, but I know... Um, people who do work shifts like that tend to experience it or be at a higher risk of experiencing that than others. Um, but anyway, so that's intermittent sleep paralysis. And then the other uh, type of sleep paralysis is um, chronic sleep paralysis. And usually this is as a result of an underlying condition like narcolepsy or obstructive sleep apnea. Um, so usually in with the case of chronic sleep paralysis, you know, the sleep paralysis is a symptom as opposed to a condition. Um, but in general, um, you know, what do people with sleep paralysis usually experience? Uh, paralysis in your limbs, obviously, or also called atonia. So atonia is the term for when you lose all control over your muscles specifically. Um, that's called atonia. Uh, inability to speak, right? Because if, if, <laughs> if, if you can't move your muscles, you obviously can't talk. Um, sense of suffocation is very common. Uh, hallucinations, fear, panic, helplessness, uh, tightening around your throat, uh, and then daytime sleepiness. Now, usually with the daytime sleepiness, that's seen more in um, uh, narcolepsy uh, patients. So, um, generally speaking, so so what happens, right? So, generally speaking, somebody will go to bed, and um, there's different stages of sleep, right? And, and I think we all know that. Um, so, you have like a light sleep stage, and you have a deep sleep stage, and you have REM, and you have um, wake, I guess, if you want to consider waking stage, a stage of sleep. I mean, anyway. 
So in a very basic sense, it's waking stage, rapid eye movement stage, light sleep, and deep sleep. And deep sleep is often considered the, you know, uh, regenerative stage of sleep, whereas um, uh, REM is where we dream generally. Um, so usually people will have sleep paralysis episodes right before they enter REM um, or right before they go from deep sleep into uh, a wake waking stage. Um, so usually it'll be around there where people will experience these episodes of sleep paralysis. And a lot of times, you know, people won't be able to move, but a lot of times it's almost like they're in a state of semi-consciousness. They're kind of awake. Um, because a lot of times what happens is their dreams sort of bleed into reality. So when somebody, when a patient is experiencing uh, sleep paralysis, a lot of them report seeing shadowy figures, you know, hearing someone breaking in, a sense of fear, you know, sometimes seeing a continuation of their dream in, in the reality around them. So in the intro, you know, the example I gave where you see a shadowy figure going from your living room to your bedroom, that could totally be something that would happen in a sleep paralysis episode. And that a lot of times is how that manifests for a lot of people. Um, you know, I know generally only 20% uh, of people have experienced this, but uh, you know, if any of you out there have experienced this, I would love to know. That would be really cool to you know, compare your experiences with what I guess the literature as a whole says. Um, you know, if, if any of you want to share that, I'd uh, gladly share that with all the listeners, um, you know, in a follow-up episode to this. Or if you um, have had any different experiences, let me know. But usually, um, you know, usually sleep paralysis is pretty easy to identify you know it's 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 not that hard to diagnose when somebody has um, sleep paralysis the symptoms are pretty much um, a, a big beacon telling you what they have what what is actually going on but um, yeah so sleep paralysis is a massive symptom it's a big index symptom of narcolepsy. So for those of you that don't know, narcolepsy is a condition that basically results, that is basically where the patient's brain has a hard time regulating sleep and wake cycles. So, you know, another common uh, symptom of um, narcolepsy that we see in the clinical field is, you know, randomly falling asleep or having micro, epi mi micro episodes of sleep, basically. You know, the patient will be fine and normal and just going about their day and then, boom, they'll just go to sleep. Uh, a lot of times that's how it expresses, but the other symptom of that is sleep paralysis. Um, now, how can, I guess the next question is, how can you stop it? You know, how can you treat it? Unfortunately, there's no medication specifically for sleep paralysis. That being said, if your sleep paralysis is as a result of narcolepsy, 
then drugs like modavinil are designed to treat narcolepsy. And in fact, we spoke uh, about modavinil in a, an episode not too long ago where we talked about nootropics. Um, but modavinil is designed to treat narcolepsy and you know, in treating narcolepsy that may help with the sleep paralysis if that is actually from the narcolepsy. Um, and how would you diagnose narcolepsy? Uh, the same way you would basically diagnose sleep paralysis. An overnight sleep study, also called a polysomnogram or a, a, a multiple sleep latency test, and that measures how quickly the patient falls asleep and what kind of um, what kinds of stages of sleep they're experiencing during that time, um, and and usually that that will help you know pay, uh, the physician identify narcolepsy and also uh, sleep paralysis. Um, and you know I think overall the the moral of the story is that. For those of you out there who have experienced intermittent sleep paralysis, just because you've ident or experienced one episode, that doesn't necessarily mean that you know this is going to become a chronic thing that happens, you know, on a regular basis. Um, and it, it, as we mentioned in the beginning of the episode, intermittent sleep paralysis can be a result of stress at work. It could be a result of you know, being changed to a night shift or just chronic um, sleep deprivation. There's a lot of different things there that may be causing um, intermittent sleep paralysis. And I think the best, if you are experiencing that, I think the best way to go about stopping that, you know, as long as it's not being caused by narcolepsy, is probably going to first be try and identify you know, what are you doing differently, right? So on nights where you experience a sleep paralysis, what did you do differently than nights when you didn't experience the sleep paralysis? And who knows, maybe it's, oh, well, on, you know, Wednesday night, I drank coffee before I went to bed, and then I had uh, an episode of sleep paralysis, whereas when I didn't do that, I didn't have that. So maybe that's the cause, you know, that's how I would go about, I guess, self-diagnosing it, but that, <laughs> they say, uh, you know, it's not good for doctors or especially aspiring doctors like myself to do self-diagnosis because, uh, yeah, just so I don't know. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the science behind that. I know it's, it's Monday, you know, Monday is my least favorite day of the week as well. Um, but nonetheless, I, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope it gives you a little uh, motivation, I guess, to get through your weeks. Um, I will see you guys all on Friday. And until then, remember, remember, ladies and gentlemen, stand up and question everything.